Today's show is brought to you by paintyourlife.com. All you have to do is text cognitive to 64,000 for 20% off your order. Paintyourlife.com. 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 Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. everyone before tom jumps in and does the intro this week's schedule was very uh difficult for us um tom had a a family emergency Haley was sick this week so we couldn't record on a normal day tom's going to talk about it here in a moment but i wanted to mention something that we completely forgot to mention on this show because of well you know a discombobulated schedule vulgarity for charity is still in full swing here folks and we are we are slowly creeping up on the $100,000 match. Now, we definitely need a lot more people to donate for us to take advantage of this $100,000 match. And as it stands, we're going to be pulling names and doing some roasts this upcoming week and next week. So we are actually going to be doing roasts while the the Vulgarity for Charity is going on. So it's important if you want to try to get your name in in the drawing, we're going to be pulling names well very early. So the earlier you get your name in, the better chance you have of being one of the people who whose roast we pick. So if you have a little bit of money, you can help somebody out on Modest Needs. Go to modestneeds.org. Donate. There's a big thing on the top, Vulgarity for Charity. Donate to anybody on Modest Needs. When you do, be sure to take your receipt and send it to Vulgarity for Charity. That's the word, not the number. So it's Vulgarity for, F-O-R, Charity. It's all one word, at gmail.com. You're going to include who you want us to roast, a photo or a description or why you want those people roasted. And then you're going to include a copy of your receipt. $50 will get you a chance to get a roast. Like we say, we're, we're, we're pulling people right now. The more money you donate, the better chance as well, because we're going to be choosing the 100 top donors. At $50 minimum, we'll get you a roast. We encourage people to donate more than that. But the sooner you get your donation in, the the better chance you're going to have to get that roast. All right. So without further ado, here's the show. Recording live from Gloriole Studios in Chicago and beyond, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome mad. This is episode 602 of Cognitive Dissonance, and I I want to start this episode off a little bit with an apology to our live stream listeners. We, We put off the live stream like a week ago because we had technical problems. Um, it was entirely Ian's fault. Like, I just want to be clear. Yeah, last, of course, 100%. The last 100%. time, yeah. 100% of the 100%. blame yeah. should 110. fall. Yeah. He's an overachiever. Like 110% of the blame is his. There's no way not to think. And so if you, were, if you were hoping for a live stream and then we got on a couple Thursdays back and it canceled, that is on Ian's shoulders yes, completely. Absolutely. And you can email him about it at ian yeah. at dissonancepod.com. Let him know your disfavor. And tell absolutely. Him, tell him he's a failure as a person. Yeah. Like not just as an employee, idea. but like really right. make it personal. Right. 
Um, but this last week, <laughs> we, and I know we put it on our Facebook page. We intended to do our live stream on Thursday. Um, I had some issues come up with my family's health. Um, we pushed it to Friday, hoping that things would resolve. Um, we're not able to do it Friday. I know some people really look forward to the live stream. Um, so I wanted to apologize for, for that. But then it, and I'm not going to get too deeply personal, but I want to talk a little bit about the American healthcare system because I've been thinking about it a lot. So um, as listeners will know, uh, my wife Haley has been sick. She's been sick all year. It's been a struggle for her um, to try to get uh, care as we've navigated through this process. And so I've been thinking a lot. See, so I just, I think about this all the time now because we are in a place that has become untenable to maintain. And we are in this place despite being, and I want to be extremely clear and upfront about this, despite being absolutely awash in privilege, right? Like I wake up every morning and I swim like Scrooge McDuck in a vault full of coins of privilege. And I know it. Like, <laughs> right, right, sure. Like structurally, the system could not be more geared two and four people that are exactly yes. like me. Like my right, name right. may as well be Tom Privilege, right? Yeah, sure. And I know it. Yeah. And so here we find ourselves, even though we are awash in privilege, um, in increasingly difficult circumstances. And I am, I'm, I'm at a loss. So just briefly, like my wife's been sick. We've, we've gone to dozens, and that's not an exaggeration, dozens of doctors in and out of the emergency room, a baker's dozen plus times in the past year. We've been to the Mayo Clinic. We've been home from the Mayo Clinic. And I think about this process and I think about things we talk about on the show. We talk about a lot about socialized medicine, about single payer healthcare. And a, a couple of things occur to me, and I just want to talk them out and kind of get people's thoughts on this, get your thoughts on this, Cecil. But, you know, when things become difficult here, I can always pick up the phone and it has not been successful by the way, right. but I can yeah. always pick up the phone and I can get another appointment, right? Because I don't know what else to do. I can pick up the phone. I can call somebody. I can send an email and that appointment might take weeks to get. It might take in some cases months to get an appointment, but nobody says you're done having appointments. Right. I, as long as I'm the motherfucker writing checks, I can keep bulldogging this problem, and it has not been effective, but it's at least been something. And I always sure. hold out the hope that the next appointment that I make, I'll get in front of the right guy or gal, and they will have an answer and a solution and a, 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 a something for us to do to try right. to move our lives in the right direction. But I have the ability in this system, exclusively because I am awash in privilege, to keep picking up the phone and making that next appointment. And I keep thinking about a couple of things. I keep thinking about the vast majority of people who don't have all of those privileges that we sure. have. Sure, yeah, right. Here in America. And you're in a small group. You're in a small, you, you work for a company that has amazing healthcare. You yourself have a, have some disposable income to throw at this. You know, we can- I've got so, a work so, from home job yeah. that lets me take care yeah. of my family and my wife. Yeah. There's a lot of pluses yes. for you. Yeah. You're in a very small group of people yeah. in our country that can do this. Right, I'm in a tiny minority. And I think about that all the time. Like, what would I do if I was my dad growing up? My dad sure. growing up, my dad didn't have a lot of money. Sometimes we didn't have healthcare. Sometimes he was working a couple of jobs. So he didn't have any sure. time in between. He was a single parent raising kids. So I keep thinking like, 
what if one of us had gotten sick? Or God, what if my dad had gotten sick the way that my wife is sick now? Right, and, right, right. and there's so many people that are in that position. And, I, and it's so evident how broken the system is. One of the drawbacks people bring up all the time when they talk about like single-payer healthcare and they look at examples of single-payer healthcare outcomes in other areas. They talk about how difficult it is to get appointments and to get gain access to care in a timely fashion. And they point to like <laughs> Canada. And, they, and what a fucking joke that is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a, what happened to us just like in the last few weeks. So my wife is sick. It's dire. In an, it's 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 got to get where something has to happen tonight to get her okay. So you don't you don't know what to do. So you go to the emergency room. Go to the emergency room, Cecil. We were at the emergency room. Um, I don't know Thursday. I can't remember anymore. And we got there. Uh, we got put in a room fairly quickly. I I don't want to exaggerate, and I'm not saying this for effect. I believe we were there for something around seven hours, maybe eight hours. Holy shit. The total time spent with a doctor was less than two minutes. It was maybe 90 seconds. The doctor came in, blasted through a series of questions in rapid fire because it's an emergency room and the emergency room was right. hopping, right? No, absolutely. So I get it. Like he's in, boom, 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 boom. But the answer's a little more complex than yes, no. But all of his questions are this, yes, no, yes, no. Because he's there to do, he's there to run a rubric, man. Boom, 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 boom. He orders a handful of tests, orders some blood, leaves the room, nothing happens for, I mean, nothing happens. Not an IV, not another nurse popping and nothing for three and a half, four hours, something like that, half a work day. You know, you just sit there and nothing sure. happens. Then they come in, they don't say anything, they wheel you away, they, bring, you have, they do a test, they run some blood, they throw an IV in there. And then another three or four hours goes by and the nurse comes in and says, okay, we're going to discharge you. And there is no follow-up at all. And there is no... And I, I stop and I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, she's not any better and we don't know what's wrong. And the doctor hasn't been back. And the nurse says, we've determined this isn't an emergency. You have to follow up with your specialist. Wow. And you're like, but, but I don't know how to get through tomorrow. And I say this to people, right? And this is the point of the conversation. I say to people, but there must be something I'm missing because the specialists are booked months in advance. And so we booked a, a, an appointment with a specialist in August and that appointment is sometime mid-February. We yeah. booked an appointment for a, a, a treatment that she needs as soon as we find out she needed it in the middle of October. The soonest that's going to happen is December. And that's if we go outside the system that we were trying to stay within. And if we stay in that system, it's January. So things are three, four, five months sure. yeah, it's not, out. And yeah. you're like, how do I get through the next eight hours? It's not the emergency room. The emergency room tells you to follow up with a specialist. And the specialists are months out. Yeah. And I th and then and then people say with a straight face, well you don't want single payer healthcare because it would take you months to get care. And I yeah. I just keep thinking, where do you go? Yeah. Who are your guys that like I, I somehow have never heard of? To it's, help? it's funny because because they talk about it as if you could just walk into any place. Right. And if you have a big enough checkbook, you can get in to any place. One that presumes that you have so much money and so much privilege that you could just do all that. Right. right? You could take off the time for work. You could, you know, make sure that all your kids are taken care of, make sure everything else is in order, able to fly and travel to a place with enough money in your hand to walk in in a and, moment. Right. Yep. Which is a lie. It's, it's just bullshit. a big lie that they keep saying over and over and over again. Yeah. So for the privilege of being able to keep making 
ineffective appointments. We still here in the States, we still get massive wait times, massive yeah. wait times. And you know, they, I've asked so many people, I'm like, well, who is supposed to help do this work? Because, and I'll tell them Cecil, because I believe in this, in my, in my heart, I believe in this as a core principle of being a good thinker is to not overstep the bounds of your expertise, right? I believe right. in that. And I, I think that that is what in general yields the best outcomes. And so I will tell people up front, I'm like, I don't feel qualified to manage this because I am unqualified to manage this. So how, like, what do we do? And, they, and they, they refer you back to your primary care physician a lot. But the primary care physician is there to give you a fucking, they don't, they'll tell you, well, you got to go see this specialist. Okay, well, they don't refer you to a specialist by name. They refer you to a specialist by category. With the amount we pay, we should each have a personal co health concierge. Right. We yeah. really, really should, man. Yeah. We really, really should. Like you should. And I, it's funny because I've looked into that. Like, is there somebody? And I look in and I'm like, the question I ask is like, can you get an appointment faster than I can get an appointment? Yeah. No. The answer is no. Yeah. There's, There's no wedding planner for, right. for, for medicine. Right. There's nobody who can get you fucking tickets at the last minute to the fucking yeah. opera. <laughs> right? no, nobody's scalping appointments to the doctor. Because, like, I would buy them, dude. I'd go on fucking StubHub and <laughs> I would do it, dude. There's no credit card. I'd steal credit cards and swipe yeah. them if I had to. Yeah. Like, right. and it's fucking insane. It's insane. I, like, I'm so torn right now because, on the one hand, I would be. I would be bereft and beside myself if I thought I couldn't pick up the phone and make another appointment if I just, because I just want to, because sure. I just need to do, take some action, yeah. right? You, what you're doing, what you're doing is essentially getting off the expressway and trying to find a way on the back roads to get there right. quicker, even though it's not going to be faster. It at least makes you feel like you're doing That's something. exactly right. Right. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was blind, but now I see. Within minutes, the entire political team was in panic going, oh my goodness, he's singing on stage. We're doomed. The political career is over. Uh, but, but somehow I survived. So let's talk about this story from Boing Boing. Ted Cruz lays out the scenario for Texas to secede from the United States <laughs> And appoint Joe Rogan president. <laughs> it's so sad. Cecil. Who's going to power Joe Rogan's podcast if they leave, Tom? How will they get the power? How is that going to work? They, they, they better have fucking paper ballots for their elections because if the fucking grid goes down. <laughs> He's got UFC guys running on treadmills <laughs> trying to power his podcast as they run around. Oh. oh, God. Well, you know, the thing is that at least... If Joe Rogan was president, fear would not be a factor in getting through, you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's just eating a big bowl of grubs. Does right, this gross yeah. you out? Yeah. yeah. You know what liberals don't do? They don't eat spiders. <laughs> we eat spiders. <laughs> spiders and ivermectin. I, I don't get, like, like, I know there's a lot of people. It's so funny because I, I was at a restaurant one time in Chicago and Sarah and I overheard the table next to us talking about this, this, these two young kids and they're clearly in college and they're with, like, it, it, it sounded like they were with one of their parents. So it was like a, a pair of friends eating dinner at a nice place in Chicago with another, with, a, with one of their sets of parents and they're talking. And one of the kids is trying to explain 
how insightful and brilliant Joe Rogan is to the parents and how amazing he is and oh how he's God. such a great deep thinker. And he gives an amazing interview and I'm thinking, no, no. I, I, I don't think we've ever listened to the same jokes. <laughs> It's like he's a podcasting caveman. Dude, he is an absolute yeah. caveman. But, you know, I, I I actually was thinking about the Joe Rogan phenomenon because I've heard the same thing, man. Like so many people. He's the most, like a hundred million people listen to that oh, motherfucker. He is, he is by far. It used to be Mark Marin in the day and now it's him oh, he's by far. By far. By far. He's the most popular. And he only does on one network. So he's only on Spotify too from what That's I hear. That's right. So he's, yeah, he's only on one network, so. But I was thinking about the Rogan phenomenon, and then I thought about, and I think I kind of understand it, though, Cecil. Genuinely understand it. And I'm, like, empathetic to why it's so popular now. And I was thinking about our college experience. You and I met in college because we were part of this sort of informal philosophy club. Right. And there were a lot of things about that club that were that were maybe silly and childish. And there were also things about that club that were wonderful, like genuinely yeah. like wonderful and impactful and in, in many significant ways through relationships and otherwise changed my life. Like my life is a different life, I think, than if I had never engaged Mine too, in that, for sure. You know? Absolutely. I still, I still, I still interact with people in that group all the time. And you, the, you in person, right. but other people too. Yeah, same. And I, but I think about that desire to ask good questions, to have deep and meaningful conversations. Now, I'm not saying Joe Rogan is having, is good at asking good questions or is good at having deep and meaningful conversations. But then I look back and I'm like, you know what? Neither was I when I yeah. was 20. You know, neither was I when I was 19. But what I had was no outlet, no other way to engage sure. the world in, in way. So I would, I would have these fucking shower thoughts and I would have nowhere to turn with them. I would yeah. have these you know, moments of wondering. I would read the news and not understand how to analyze it. I would read a book and, and stumble across some theme or concept or relationship. And I yeah. would not have a way to contextualize that. Nobody to bounce it off of. And then I met this group of people and all of a sudden, here's all these other people and they're wondering about stuff too. And they're some, curious too. Yeah. And sometimes they're good at that wondering and sometimes they're bad at that wondering. But I felt invigorated absolutely like a thrilled, like to the point of humming inside with the idea that here were some people that were also really curious. Yeah. And like, I think Joe Rogan represents in many ways, our lack of a real good capacity or, or yeah, capacity and outlet for that desire to be curious. Sure. Sure. He's so good about just being curious. Yeah. I really yeah. think he is. So like, yeah. I kind of feel like, Props to you for being curious, but my God, man, couldn't it have been someone else? Well, and then, and then it's, there is a lot of who you platform. Yes. You have a giant, giant network, a network that, that even politicians now, Ted Cruz oh my has God, to I tip know. his hat to, yep. right? You are on a network now, like, because before time it would have been Rush Limbaugh that he would have tipped his hat yes, to right. or somebody else, some other major conservative, he would have tipped his hat to. He would have said, well, of course, and, and we have this person and they would be the, you know, the secretary. We would make Rush Limbaugh the secretary of state because Rush Limbaugh understands the conservative mind. Mm -hmm. You know, there would be right. that, that hat tip to somebody who is, has sort of got the sh the leash on th millions of people that he's pulling along. 
The thing about Joe Rogan is he's got this gigantic platform, bigger than, I think, bigger than Rush Limbaugh in his heyday. I think it's bigger than CNN. It's bigger than, it's bigger than large networks right. that pay, that literally get gigantic advertisers. I mean, it's not as big as the Super Bowl, right? But it's big. It's right. fucking big. And it's big every week. It's big. And yet he says crazy shit about COVID. Like if you're young, you don't, you shouldn't get a fucking a vaccine. And the thing is, is like, I only hear the crazy shit he says that makes it in the news because I don't yeah. listen to his show. Right. So I don't know what he says otherwise, but the crazy shit that he says that gets that that makes it to the news is appalling, right? You have that giant audience, and then you wax philosophical about COVID vaccinations or ivermectin yep. Yep. or hydroxychloroquine. You're fucking making a huge mistake because so many people look up to you, man. And you've got to you've got to measure what you say, and then you've also got to platform people that are not fucking horrible. Alex Jones, he's had Alex Jones on his I show, know. and it's not to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you you weirdo it's not that no it's let's talk and let's let's fucking smoke a blunt together yep. yeah man well like he has that desire to be curious but he has no like he has no filters that no gatekeeping no intellectual yeah. like outlier everything is equal man and that's like the problem of this bullshit idea of democratizing all ideas as if some were as, as if some ideas were not better better understood. And some ideas are garbage ideas and they don't deserve to be platformed. And they don't deserve to be, you don't deserve to spend four hours talking to Alex Jones and his fucking Newtown false flag conspiracy, no, colloidal not. silver. The guy's yeah. a fucking liar and a grifter. Right. And he will sit across from these motherfuckers for three hours and he will treat them with the same respect as when he has like fucking Neil deGrasse Tyson on. And the, sure. the problem is that that puts Neil deGrasse Tyson on the same level. If you're an audience member, there is no difference now, right? Joe Rogan gave Neil deGrasse Tyson three hours. He gave Alex Jones three hours. They are now, these are both ideas equally worthy of consideration. Sure. And now we're at a place where Ted fucking Cruz is like, maybe Joe Rogan on, not even me, not even Ted Cruz. Ted I Cruz like, isn't even, he's a career <laughs> politician. He's like, you know what? I wouldn't think. win. Even in Texas, I couldn't win president. I couldn't carry the great state of uh, Texas. It's hilarious because Ted Cruz is, he's such a noodle. He's like a fucking bag of wet noodles in a Yo. garbage bag. Like that's what he is. Yeah. Whatever way that you could bend this guy and like manipulate this, he is such, he has like, like he, there are invertebrates that look at him and say, you have no spot. He's pathetic. Yeah. Like he's genuine. I Jellyfish cannot understand. Jellyfish get a bigger boner than Ted Cruz. <laughs> I cannot understand, Tom, how, how uh, like the side that wants to be the manly men, right? Uh -huh. Like the side right. of oh, tax, yeah. toxic masculinity looks at Ted Cruz and thinks that's my guy. I, thank Cause, you. Because he's, he's the weakest person I've ever seen in my life. And if that's your yep. measure yep. of strength, then I don't understand how you, like, I don't understand how you even measure these things. Dude, and he's weak by every standard. You're exactly right. Like, if you if you measure Ted Cruz up against the toxic masculinity, traditional ideals of stoic manliness, he doesn't fit that bill at all. No, he's no. not that guy. He's not that guy. And if you measure Ted Cruz up against more enlightened ideals of, you know, what it what it is to be strong. He doesn't fit any of those goals None of either. That. He's, None of that. 
He's got nothing. He's got nothing. He's a backstabbing weasel. Right. That's what he is. And he's and he allows people to walk on people that he loves. He's a disgusting there, person. There's some there's some funny there's some funny stats in this article I want to read to you about if Texas were yeah, to Yeah, no, secede. it's hilarious. It's a very funny article. So so he says, let me let me read the actual quote from Ted Cruz. He said, when asked this week about what he thinks about the Texas secessionist independence movement called Texit, Ted Cruz says it might be appropriate if certain things happen and that Joe wrote Texit. Why would you model something after Brexit? That's going badly. Texit is amazing, though. So good. That's going so badly. I know. know? I know, man. uh, (laughs) I can't get people to drive their trucks for crying out loud. Uh, it says, look, if the Democrats end the filibuster, if they pack the Supreme Court, if they make D.C. a state, if they federalize elections and massively yeah, expand te- not gonna voter do fraud, it may become hopeless. He says, uh, if that happens, we take NASA, we take the military, we take the oil. I love this. Well, 11,000 of NASA's 17,000 employees are based in Texas. NASA is headquartered in Washington, D.C. If Texas were somehow able to seize NASA, how many tax-hating citizens of Texas would be yep. in favor of funding its $23 billion annual budget? It's not a private industry, right. dummy. Don't you know that? You're a senator, for Christ's sakes. Like, don't the fuck it? Isn't the right generally opposed to paying for anything, period, but particularly NASA? How many times... Have you heard? Like they don't respect science as a, no. like, as an that's a, a priori ideal. Science and the arts. That shit gets thrown out. The that's the first thing they're red pen. Right. So yeah, we'll take NASA, and then you'll cut it, and then all those scientists who are only in <laughs> Texas, by the way, because they have to be. It's not <laughs> like it's not like eleven thousand scientists fall flocked to fucking Texas oh, yeah. because that's like where science is done best. It's just that's where the only jobs are for their field. If you're a fucking rocket scientist, it's not like you're like, you know what? Maybe I will stay in Pennsylvania. You relocate. There's nine jobs. That's it. I want to I want to just say, like, if Ted Cruz wants to go anywhere, he can just go. Oh, I know. He's already done oh, it during their blackout. He went to Cancun, <laughs> so he can just go. What sign are you waiting for? Gozer the Traveler. He will come in one of the pre-chosen forms. During the rectification of the Valdrani, the Traveler came as a large and moving torb. Then, during the third reconciliation of the last of the McKetrick supplicants, they chose a new form for him, that of a giant slore. Many shubs and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the depths of the slore that day, I can tell you. Holy shit, this, this story has blown up. This is atrocious. Did you, did you watch this clip? This is from Mediaite. Paul Gozer. Isn't Gozer the name of the <laughs> fucking the bad- He's Thank he's the you. Gozerian. Thank yeah, you. He's, he's either the key master or the gatekeeper. I'm not sure. <laughs> or maybe he's the guy behind the gate. I'm, I don't remember. But it's one of the three, right? There's three things. Is there a video of him walking like a giant black dog with glowing eyes? <laughs> just like... <laughs> I'll tell you, he looks a lot more like, a more, a lot more like the guy who's the key master from that movie. Yeah, that right? Rick Moranis. He looks a lot more <laughs> like, like Rick, Rick Moranis, Moranis than anything else. You just open his refrigerator. There's a demon inside. <laughs> And Paul, he's one of these guys where if he came at you, you could just hold out your hand and he would swing his arms. Yeah, right. You, you hold know, his head like, like a little kid. Like, right. Like, that's why, like, this particular thing that he did, which was basically someone had taken his face and a couple other senators' faces and representative faces and put them, sort of superimposed them over this anime series on Netflix called Attack on Titan. And Attack on Titan is a, a, a show that's like a... Uh, an anime series where 
where these giant, they look like, they look like giant babies are like walking around and into, into cities. They're these giant, like Godzilla size smashing shit. And then the, the, uh, the, the defense force is a bunch of people with katanas. Cause that's the Tom, that's how you fight giant babies is with katanas. Of course you don't use like a gun or a fucking whatever. No, you just use these guys who can jump in the air real high and slash with katanas. <laughs> but in any case, one of these giant babies had a superimposed face of uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and it shows Paul Gosar rum- jumping in the air and stabbing her in the back. And now I want to preface this by saying, please don't send me any corrections on how I just described Attack on Titan because I will not read them, okay? <laughs> I will not. I refuse to read them. If Attack on Titan is your thing, great, enjoy it. But I just did my very best to summarize it for people who've never seen it. Cecil, we are at we are at a place where two things are happening simultaneously both of which are absurd in ways that you could not have possibly predicted. First of all, serious people that wear suits. Yep. That way yep. they wake up yep. and put yep. on suits and 100%. go to work. They are yep. now engaged in a kind of discourse that posits them as fantasy cartoon superheroes. Yeah. That's their solution. Their solution, guys, their 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 great message to America is what if I were a fantasy cartoon superhero? You're a guy wearing a suit. You're supposed to fucking do legislative, serious intellectual business. That's what you're supposed to be doing. You are not supposed to be like Photoshopping yourself into Care Bears because you want your tummy to glow and that's how you think you're going to solve the fucking world's problems. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? There's a hundred things you could be... There's a... 10,000 things you could be doing that are better with your time than retweeting this. And Literally I know, anything. And I know that there's there's going to be people who say, well, it's not his account. He didn't make the thing. Someone made it and sent it to him. And so it's just some rando who's running his account asked if he liked anime and, sent, and then posted it. So it's not. But again, it's like there's so much better things that we could be expressing with information and this giant infrastructure for information we've created called Twitter. Instead, what we're doing is we're having... Nuh-uh fights. On right. Yeah. Right, man. Like, and we're doing all that. And we're also threatening other serious people. Like we are, we are, you're in a room. Imagine this in any other work context. Like, and these are oh people my who God. just go to work. If, if Cecil, if I came to work and I was doodling on a piece of paper, right? If I just had a piece of paper out and I was a, a good artist, which I am not, I'm a stick figures at best guy, by the way. If I was doodling like a picture of my boss, with fucking X's over his eyes and a knife in his head. Sure. And I was like, I'm going to kill my boy. Might get fired for that. Tom, if you, if, what? if you even elite allude to the fact that you're going to do some sort of violence at school, you're expelled. Expel- right. Expulsion. Like it, if you allude to it, Dude, if you even just guns say can anything, get you suspended. You can get fucking thrown out of school for months. They could throw you out for the rest of the year. They could just be like, you know what? You're just too dangerous to be here because you would not be able to do this at your work. Trust me, man. If you did this with your boss and you jumping up in the air and stabbing your boss and it got passed around, it got auto emailed to everybody at your work, you would be fired. I don't care where you work. You would be fired. Yeah, man, there, there there is an absolute collapse of discourse, like polite, reasonable, collegial discourse. It is a, it is a complete and total collapse and I, and I, in this case, as far as I can tell, and I'm willing to be corrected, it is exclusively from the right, man. 
Yeah. The collapse and the descent into sort of normalizing violence and threats. It, and there is, the, because like, they, like it, somebody from his team was like, oh, everybody just needs to settle down. Everybody yeah. just calm down. And you're like, what? I don't know, man. Like sometimes people walk up to like women, for example, that are lawmakers and shoot them in the fucking face. In the fucking head. Like that's a thing that happens. So maybe we don't calm down about whipping people up into a frenzy. It happened. It's not like it was. A, this isn't ancient history, folks. Right. This happened while we were podcasting. And it's not like it's not like you can't whip people into a frenzy, a la January sixth, right? And Tom, Tom, the fucking the fucking thing is called attack of immigrants. Right? I know. It's made. It's based on the fact that people are coming here yes. to attack us and to take us out of our jobs and kick us out of our homes and destroy. Like these th these. These creatures in this thing are literally destroying the cities that are coming that they're coming into. They're right. blowing and destroying the cities, and then they're saying that Ocasio Cortez is their champion. Yeah. So they're they're putting a crosshairs on her. They're putting a crosshairs on all the immigrants. They're saying violence is fine. Like none of this stuff is a good thing for a senator to tweet out. Man, I know it's. We, or a republic. He's a representative. I mean, he's not a senator. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to. But anyway. But it used to be that the people with opposing ideas about the like how we should govern, they weren't enemies. You were not a traitor because you like had a conversation or because you thought something was a good idea that somebody across the aisle had. It, like now, it's to the point where we are actually allegorically in our narratives, in our stories, we are calling these people villains. They aren't villains. They shouldn't be villains. They should be people with differing ideas on the future of America and policy. But we've descended into this utter madness where now anybody who isn't like team A or team B, but honestly, man, it really does mostly, this vilification system really does mostly come from the right to the left. It really does. If you did this, as a Democrat, you would be, be out. you would be censured by your own party. Right. right. There was, you know, like, like look at the people who have left the Democrat Party or who have been kicked yes. out of the Democrat Party. When something like this happens, there's some sort of moral breaker there where people jump up and say, fuck you, get the fuck out of here. Yep. Get the fuck out of here. Take a hike. This happens not just in politics, happens all the time. I will say the addition to this story, we have not, we, we, we missed our recording day. We would not have mentioned this if this was the case. He, the House Democrats moved to censure this guy over the anime. It's a, it's an, it's an article from 18 hours ago. So they are moving to try to censure Gosser. So I wonder if any of his party will support that though. They'll just have to take away his key or whatever right. they do. Yeah. I don't right. know if they have to do, make like, him the, the gatekeeper. I don't know. If someone on my team at work, you know, was no. like, was, was, was like, you know what? I think it would be like really cool to look at the other team with differing ideas and to cast them as villains who must be destroyed in as racist a way as possible. Yeah. I'd be like, what yeah. are you, what, you're, you don't, what? You're so fired. I can't. You're so fired. Yeah. Holy shit. And now it's like, oh, everybody just needs to cut. It's just a joke. It's yeah. just a joke. I want to I want to say though I love Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's oh tweet on this. It's so oh. good. She basically she she lays out in this in this Twitter thread. She lays out essentially all the different times that she has had sort of, you know, somebody somebody who's 
you know, attacked her or yelled at her or, you know, there's been some sort of threatening to her. And she basically says, nothing, nothing ever happens anyway. Nobody ever does anything. So whatever, I'm just going to go back to work. And then she says this, this dude is just a collection of wet toothpicks anyway. (laughs) White supremacy is for extremely fragile people and sad men like him whose self-concept relies on the myth that he was born superior because deep down he knows he couldn't open a pickle jar or read a whole book by himself. That is, and you know, Like, here's the thing, right? Like, none of that, none of that is racist. None of that is violent. It's literally just saying you're a weak human being. Like, you're weak. You're feebly weak. You're a physically weak person. You don't intimidate me. It's just a perfect way to essentially say to him, you're worthless. You're a worthless person. It's outstanding. Yeah. It's outstanding. But also, we shouldn't be here. We just should like, this is all just such a distraction. These people are supposed to be working to fix our problems. Their day, all of their day, every hour of their day, because that's literally what we pay them to do, should be like, what's best for America? What's best for America? How do we fix these problems? What do we do to make people's lives better? That's their only job. Never forget that that's their only job. That's the job of a political party. That's it. Their political party's job is not to constantly maintain its own hegemony. That is the only thing anybody seems worried about anymore, as if the most important thing for them to do is to maintain their power and control. That's bonkers. Their job is to wake up in the morning and go to work and make America a safer, more prosperous place for everybody here to live. That's literally their only job. So that they have to engage in this back and forth is insane. But if you're going to engage in it, you fucking bring that weak shit to AOC, she will stomp your ass. She fucked, she fuck, they fucking set it for her. Like it's volleyball. They right. like set it oh, in the air and oh. she just spikes it every time. Like they can't, they literally cannot contend with her. No. So they have to go, they have to resort to trying to do what they can yep. based on someone else's work to try to make it seem like they're, they're fighting her, but they're not, they're losing, they're losing every so time. Bad. She's, she's so much smarter than this guy. And she just, she just tells him like how weak he is. And it's perfect. It's the perfect, again, it, 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 Feeds exactly into his toxic masculinity, yep. right? It feeds perfectly yep, into yep. that. <laughs> Are you ready for some fun? Pain, uh, pain. Uh, if you're looking for a great gift to bring to your white elephant holiday party family fight to the death for that one present which you know is an iPad Pro because your uncle-in-law is wealthy and never sticks to the $35 limit, well, you can one-up that boomer with Paint Your Life. Get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. Send any picture, yourself, your children, a special place, a cherished pet, or combine these photos into some sort of abomination that you will cherish for years. I don't think that's what they meant. I think they meant putting people together in one photo. With Paint Your Life's compilation portraits, you can bring together family members who never had the chance to meet, or create a portrait of the whole family without the need for everyone to be there for a family photo. Choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. You can order a custom-made, hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. Quick and easy process, get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. Meaningful, personal, and can be cherished forever. Makes the perfect holiday gift for someone you love or yourself. I mean, what better way to get out of seeing family members than sending a four foot by six foot portrait of yourself? It's a win-win. No, but seriously, it's a great gift option for this holiday season. Forget Christmas cards. Instead, send Christmas canvases to all your family members. 
Here's the offer. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded. Guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word COGNITIVE to 64000. That's COGNITIVE to 64000. Text COGNITIVE to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. No part of this material may be cop. Oh, okay. That's different. Uh, <clears throat> I made it in Silicon Valley, and I've accomplished a lot in my life already. But now, I'm leaving big tech to fight for free speech. Because the big tech overlords are violating your privacy, censoring your speech, and I think that's so wrong. That's why I created, and it's uncensorable, best phone in the world. Freedom phone, ours. Because system or website is processor and multi to ban a sitting president would have been altered forever now from big tech censorship live free with the freedom phone this article is from the washington post this was an upsetting fucked up article uh white supremacist really crazy it is man white supremacists find a new platform to spread hate a federal courtroom in charlottesville so this story Can we pause let's pause yeah. real quick before we before we continue with this story have you been paying attention to the rittenhouse trial speaking of white supremacists yeah let's talk about white well carl Ritten, uh, kyle rittenhouse because a couple months ago kyle rittenhouse was in a shirt that said free as fuck on it and he was flashing the white the new white power sign that okay yep. sign flashed at the at the camera with proud boys so like this guy was associating with 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 a white supremacist group in the United States flashing a white power sign unironically yep. and he's in court. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that we're talking about white supremacy when Kyle Rittenhouse is on the on the stand. No, absolutely not. Did you not. catch his his panic attack that he had? Did you see this? I didn't see it but I read all about it. So Okay, so yeah. I watched it and when I first watched it, I was like, is this kid having a moment up there? I don't know. Is he is he sort of recognizing like this could be bad for him, whatever. But then I watched it again after someone had pointed something out. There's a clear moment where Kyle Rittenhouse looks like out the really obviously out the corner of his eye at both the jury. And then he stops and does a little more panting and then looks at the judge out of the corner what? of his eye as if it was like. One of those like moments where acted. you wonder, and and look, I have no idea what's going on in Kyle Rittenhouse's head. I have no idea, right. right? Like, I can't, I can't put myself in his head. I don't know what he's thinking. But those two moments where he very obviously looks to the left at the people in the jury, and then looks to the right at the judge while he's having in the middle of this panic attack. Part of me wonders how sincere something like that right. could be. If you have enough sense to be like, is this working? Am I, am I pulling a fast one on these people over here? And what's going on? I don't know. A couple of things to add to that is the, the judge. Oh, for yeah. This case, the judge. The yeah. judge for this case is like very obviously a biased judge. His phone has gone off more than once playing partisan ringtones like the guy has a like a like a Trump campaign ringtone and his phone has gone off gone off twice in court because he's a fucking idiot and he's the judge and he hasn't silenced his phone and it plays a ringtone which is like a Trump campaign ringtone he, the 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 defense said we can't zoom in on video that was taken because pinching to zoom means that Apple has manipulated the video and the judge was like, yes, I think that's true. Wow. I, I, did, you hear, did you hear about that? He thinks that yeah, pinch yeah, to I saw, zoom. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's 
fucking completely bonkers. It's completely bonkers. What about the, the part where he said that you can't refer to people in the trial, the the people that were shot as victims. Right. Did you hear about this? I did. Yeah, he said that was that was one of the first rulings. Is they they are not victims because that automatically colors. Yeah. The 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 yeah. the, the, the like the analysis there of of who these people were. I, but you can call them rioters. Yeah, you can call them. You can call them something that colors it in a way that clearly skews the narrative one way. But you can't. But you call can't it do it the other way. The other yeah. way. I gotta yeah. say, I agree with not being able to call them victims if the trial is supposed to be impartially determining whether or not they were in fact victims. That's ultimately that's what the trial is in part determining. So yeah. I get being careful not to use language that prejudices in one direction, but that should go the other direction. Right. That's the it thing. Should, is, like, yeah, it should. It should. It should swing in both directions, but it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Yeah. And I have been following this, and I will admit, like, I don't know, I don't know the law well enough to know how much pre-circumstance context legally determines whether or not an action in a moment was considered self-defense or not. Because that's the, that is the legal question that's at hand. I think the moral question is clear. So for me, the moral question about whether or not Kyle Rittenhouse is a is guilty of killing those people, right? As a murderer. murderer. I think that moral question is very clear. I really do. Like like you said, motherfucker woke up in the morning, got a gun that he's not even supposed to have, drove to a place that he's not fucking involved in to put himself in the center of a situation with a weapon of violence in order to be a factor of intimidation, right? That was his best case scenario was to be an intimidating force through the presence of a loaded weapon. It's not like he brought the gun just as a symbol. It wasn't unloaded, right? He brought right. that gun in a functional way, right? It was, I, it, and I would be not sympathetic, but I guess there, there would be a different calculus in my mind if he genuinely thought the gun was unloaded and he brought it as a symbol, right? And then it went off once and then somebody got shot. I'd be like, sure. okay, that's fucked up. There's 10 ways that's fucked up and I don't want to excuse any of them. And I don't want to excuse, like, I don't want to discount any of those circumstances, but I do, from what I'm reading, I do wonder, like, the legal question seems fairly limited in scope to those very moments, like, right before he pulled the trigger yeah. about whether or not. And so, it's. I think he's going to get off. I don't think he's going to go gonna to get jail. off, too. And I think, I think people should not be surprised if he gets off. I feel like this is one of those, it's one of those moments where it's like that unsatisfying kid got off from affluenza. I know he's not affluent, but you right, know what I mean? Right. Like it's that unsatisfying feeling. Yep. So let's talk about this story though. We, we, we shifted away we from did. this white supremacist that are, are basically using the, the fucking, the federal court to fucking dox people and then send their white supremacist fucking allies after them. Yeah, I mean, this is fucked up because, because we have a system and it's, a, and this is part of the system that's good because we have a system that, allows for public transparency into court proceedings that, you know, combine that with the amplification of the internet. And you now have white supremacists who are acting as their own attorneys. They're being sued and they're standing in front of the plaintiff in this lawsuit. And they're saying, all right, so you said you were afraid of us. Tell me all the other people that are on your side. Tell me their names. And then it's like, do I have to tell them names? Like, I'm afraid that that'll put them in harm's way. And the judge is like, this is your case. You yeah. brought this case. You have to provide 
relevant information to the case. That's I also don't think that that's a wrong, wrong answer. And then what happens is he gives out these names and within seconds, these fucking white supremacists who are not even being dog whistled to, but who are being directly called to in this court proceeding, they are doxing these people. They are finding yeah. them where they live. They are, they're, they're named by name. And we are putting more people of color in danger and empowering through the court transparency process. We are empowering white supremacists to continue their like fucking harassment campaign of people of color. It's, it's fucked. And I read this like, I have no idea what the solution is, man. Yeah, I don't either, man. I'm not a law talking guy, but I just wanted to bring people's attention to it because you yeah. see it and you think, holy shit, this is a problem. This is a real problem that does that, that, that demands a solution because if not, then the status quo always wins. If not, the people that are, that are privileged and in power will always win against anyone else, period, the end. Yeah, man. I, I, at first I was like, you know, there, there are protections in place for people that are the victims of certain crimes, specifically like children, some sexual assault where their, right. their information is withheld. And I thought like in cases of like hate crimes, I wonder if similar, I don't know, like similar legal obfuscations shouldn't be in place to prevent yeah. this exact kind of thing when it's, when it's related to a hate crime. But then yeah. this is a civil suit, man. Yeah. And civil suits, and civil are, suits different. are different. Yeah, it's just different. And it's like one of the, we've talked about this on the show, one of the best tools that we have to take down these assholes, whether they be, you know, one news network or whether they be the Ku Klux Klan or the Proud or Boys. Alice Jones. Right, is financial. Yeah. Like Richard Spencer in this article, Richard Spencer talks about how the financial, the lawsuits have been financially devastating to him. Yeah. And we, we have no answer for how to manage these people outside the civil suit system. But then a regular person puts themselves in the crosshairs. Right. Then, and then also all the people he associates with, and it was with that day. And that can really, it can really cause people to not do this. Right. And then, you know, so now you're taking away the one avenue we had to punish them. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm a fucking moron. I'm not a respected source of information, even for me. Sister, it comes from CBS Minnesota. Packers Aaron Rodgers says he's taking Joe Rogan's advice on treating COVID <laughs> is God. using ivermectin. And he also says he didn't lie when he said he was immunized against COVID. Yeah, he I, said he was immunized because he was like wished on or they, they fucking spritzed him with sugar water or whatever. That's not what the word immunized means. No. Also, no. like if you were immunized, why do you have COVID? Yeah. Right? Right. I You're was immune to Immunized. It. And taking Joe Rogan's advice, we talked about Joe Rogan earlier in the show, but you know, like the, the problem is, is that Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, is now in the hot seat. He's saying he's the target of the woke mob. I know, I know. Because they're coming after him. And it, it, the problem, the, the, the main problem with Joe, with, with, with Aaron Rodgers is there's a lot of adoring fans of football. You know, whether or not you like the sports balls or whatever you're going to say in the comments or whatever, where you're going to be like, oh, it's dumb to I'm like I'm dismissive of the things you like. Right. Yeah. Whatever it is, I don't care. But understand whether or not you like sports, there are plenty of people who adore the people who play sports. And I think for the wrong reasons, right? I mean, these people are just, they're, they're, they're athletes. They're not, they're not there to tell us anything 
I think, about public health. They're not there to tell us anything about like their morals or any of that stuff. These right. aren't people who are spending a lot of time thinking about those things. They're training to do a specific task with their bodies. But the difficulty is, is that people see this person, they adore him already because he's the leader of the team that mm -hmm. they very much like in the in the little nationalistic section of America that worships this team. And now he is also a human being who uses his body for a living. So therefore he has a step up on every other person out there who, who has a body because he cares about his body exponentially right. more than yeah. someone else yeah. who doesn't, who does, yeah. you know, like a thinking job. Right. He's doing a, a working with his body job. So they give him the benefit of the doubt as if he were to somebody who has done a great deal of research to try to figure out whether or not this vaccine is something that he should put in his body. And he, he, he is someone who has reflected on the long-term effects essentially is what their, their people will see and they'll and he gets sort of this de facto leg up on even a doctor. Yeah. And that's dangerous. Man, it's it's I hadn't even thought about that. But yeah, I think you're completely right. Like people look at somebody whose body is in excellent condition as an expert on the condition of the body. Right. And that's fucked up. That's fucked up. Cause I'll tell you what, man, people whose body is in that kind of condition, it's not because he did it all himself. He relied yeah. on the expertise of many dozens yeah. of other trained professionals. You think Aaron Rodgers like comes up with his own training protocols? He, like he that just, guy's been under the- He doesn't the, just hit Planet Fitness in the morning. Right, exactly, no. man. And he never did, right? He never did. He's always been under the advice and the direction of coaches and physical therapists and doctors and sports medicine experts. And that as he moves up in his career, the access to that kind of knowledge becomes deeper and deeper and more broad. And yet somehow he's the expert, even though yeah. like the fact of his bodily condition was never really exclusively up to him in terms of the decisions that went into yeah. creating yeah. that body. Right. That's a fucking right. crazy thing to think about, man. What yeah. the fuck? Why do we well, look to these people for that? Like we should be looking well, to the people that made him. Like yeah. we should be looking to the guys that built the Superman suit, man. Yeah. It's a you're you're absolutely right. I think I think you know the the problem is is that is that it's just the easy way to think about it is is that is that he's the guy who's basically controlling how well his body how good his body works and how how proficient his body is at these tasks. And you know, he's he's talking about Joe Rogan as if he's a, a an authority on something. Like Joe Rogan is a is a fucking joke when it comes to these types of things. He doesn't know anything, and he literally admits it on his show. I know. There's been I've seen several quotes where he says, "I'm a dumbass and I don't know anything." And you're like, "Okay, well then, why are you talking about Joe Rogan as if he's got something to say about this?" And it's it's insane to me that these that these people will that they won't enthusiastically embrace this vaccine as a way to fill the crowds in the places where, I mean, I the, know, the amount of pay you get is based not just on the television revenue and the team revenue of the sales of your jersey or whatever, but it's also based on how they fill those houses. Those tickets aren't cheap. They pay, they play, I, at least they used to play eight games at home. I don't know if that's changed, but they used to be eight home games. 
And that's a lot of money that comes in. These are these are seventy thousand person stadiums, Jesus. man. And these tickets aren't cheap. No, these I know. tickets aren't like you. You can't just be a guy and be like, I'll buy a five dollar ticket to the game. That doesn't exist, man. There's no such thing. It's hundreds of dollars to go to these games. So the the amount of money that they they rake in from these from these things is immense. They lost a shit ton of money last year because of COVID. Now there's a thing that can allow a ton of people to all sit in the same place <laughs> and allow you to physically be in contact with a bunch of other people and you reject it. Like that's how you make your money, man. I, wow. You know, in a, like in a world that made sense, Cecil, like when we, when we wanted 70,000 people to get together in one place, public health officials and that organization would realize that their interests are in alignment with one another. Yes. And there would be a vaccination tent at every turnstile that would give people an opportunity. Hey man, you get a free fucking beer or a hot dog or whatever. <laughs> if you get a vaccine, <laughs> know, show today. Me your vaccination card or, or whatever. Or like yeah. If you get one, as you walk in the door, you yeah. know, like, there would be every time that we had an opportunity to get in front of tens of thousands of people, we would use that opportunity in every conceivable direction, not just the CDC, but like private companies, like you said, whose very survival and interest relies on yeah. this work. But like, yeah. instead we've weirdly done the opposite. Yeah. Like imagine if every sporting event that took place and I, baseball, basketball, hockey, football, all of those because they're all tens of thousands of people, multiple times a, a, a day or a week across the country. Imagine if every one of them was engaged in a concentrated effort to vaccinate the, the fans. Yeah. If, they're, if they were flying Goodyear blimps about vaccination up overhead, you know, if they were like offering vaccination on site for all of those people with incentives based on the, the game that they're watching. Like if they're heroes came out in unified vocal support. We'd be yeah. so much better off. Now let's begin with an album uh, by a group that uh, is pretty notorious, the, the group called KISS. Now, number one, you would see that certain parts of, of the men's uniforms all accentuate uh, the genitals of a male. And I just have to be very explicit here. This story comes from The Guardian. This is the most fucking bonkers shit, buddy. It's from the Guardian. Astral world disaster fuels wave of satanic conspiracy theories on TikTok. So, um, I guess trigger warning here. We're going to talk about the events at Astral World. They were extremely tragic. Eight people died. They were crushed um, in a in a swelling or a mob of people that just it's just it's just a horrible horrible circumstance happened in Houston. Um, they didn't have makes, as many as many medical staff as they needed. They weren't able to get to those places. It seems like. Um, Although I did see them trying to stop the concert and pointing to places, I I did see that happening. Yeah. So I don't I don't know exactly to what level the 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 performers are culpable in this. Um, but certainly the venue is culpable. The venue the is crush, very much comparable. The crush uh, in these concerts. On Tom, I know you've been yeah. at concerts, um, especially in the pit area, yeah. and I know I was when I was a kid. I know I wouldn't do that now. Like, get the fuck out of nope. here. That's I need my back. I use that to stand <laughs> upright things. But but the fact is, is like when I was a kid, I didn't give a shit about my body. Right. So I'd run in there, throw elbows, land on my ass. But I remember when I was a kid, I remember like that when you first got into a pit, like I remember there was sort of like a, 
like a coach, someone on the side would always be like, pick your friend up. Like right. you always got to pick people up. If somebody falls, you got to pick them up. And at certain points, I guess some people fell and they just got trampled. They were wearing backpacks, couldn't get up. And then they fell over. And then there's also just being crushed up against the gates where sometimes that happens where, you know, yeah. the gates will pop and then people will have to push up against the second barrier, which is less, I guess, less uh, bendy and whatever, and then they get crushed in there. And so the concert crush is a fucking dangerous thing that venues should really be paying attention to. And they didn't hear in this case, and they lot eight people died. Eight people died. I think it was nine. Didn't one die after the fact? Oh, like you're, you're probably after? right. Yeah, you're probably right. I think eight was I think the initial one number. one extra died. I don't know if it was seven the day of or eight the day of, but like it was, yeah. this is a lot of people. Yeah, it, it, it's, and it's a, it is a horrifying tragedy. I'm thinking, man, like I remember going to like, like a Primus concert back in the day and like working my way with some friends to the very front of the stage. A very few times I ever actually made it to the very front, um, which is never worth it and is always a worse experience. No, it's always, always the worst. The worst. Always the worst. But we made it all the way to the front. And I remember like holding onto this like metal railing that was in front of where I was. And my buddy's girlfriend was between my two hands or my arms. And I was just trying without, with all of my strength, I was trying just to prevent her from getting mashed. Squashed. Just mashed squashed. against the barrier. Yeah. Um, and I remember being like, we got to get out of here. Like, I, this is not, like I've, it, the, and that wasn't even, nobody even got hurt. But I remember this like panicky sense of like, fuck man, like there are times I can't take a deep breath, you know, because yeah. the crowd is just pushing you into that like metal, unforgiving yeah. barrier. These, these are dangerous situations, um, or at least they can be. But man- they're interpreted by the fucking Q nuts. Jesus now Christ. Because everything is insane. Let me read some of these. Uh, oh, let me read Lord. some of these tweets or comments. Go ahead. This ain't a festival. It's a sacrifice. The music industry is demonic and collects souls. 34,000 likes. 34,000 likes that that people got crushed to death and that was actually a demonic, satanic sacrifice. But the music industry collects pennies when you send in the one penny for the 12 oh, albums. That's... They do that too. <laughs> they do that as well. So, you know, their souls, pennies, oh my whatever God. it takes. They're talking about Astroworld as a demonic event um, with Astroworld demonic, Astroworld Illuminati and Astroworld upside down cross trending um, across Twitter. What the fuck? What? Like, yeah. all I thought, Cecil, was, man, none of you motherfuckers, all of you are brand new. You're all babies. You're babies, babies, babies. In the 70s, 80s, and 90s, we had bands that were openly, like, I mean, satanic. satanic, like they used satanic imagery. I don't know if they were actually, but they were openly yeah, I don't using know that they were either. You're right. satanic imagery as part of their, like, aesthetic. They weren't satanic, man. They weren't killing people. Like yeah. Satan did not come to rule the world because Black Sabbath once played somewhere or because- Or Slayer. Or Ozzy yeah. or like yeah. Guar or Marilyn Manson or this isn't new. There's nothing yeah. new here. You didn't find something. The fuck, you <laughs> and, children. And I will say this too, though. Like, like watching those- those videos of the people. And again, you know, don't seek these out if you don't want to see dead people because right. you will see dead, you'll see a dead human being in these videos if you go seek it out. But, you know, like watching these people, uh, they're, they're being carried out 
and they're still performing on stage. The guy's doing this auto-tune thing where he's like, yeah, yeah. And I I could see someone seeing those two images together and being like, wow, that's fucked up. But then they're going to the next level to be like, that's fucked up and it's also on purpose, right? right? That's fucked up and it's, it's something that someone decided to do, not something that happened just as a coincidence. Yeah. And I, I will and that's say, the issue. Yeah, man. And I don't blame the performer, honestly, really at all. If you've been on a stage, it's difficult to see into the crowd. You're busy doing your work. Yeah. It's not your job to manage the crowd at anything other than a macro level. So seeing a person here, a person there, people get hurt. They fall down. Medics need to get called. That's part of these big shows. It doesn't yeah. mean that somebody's died. I wouldn't know that. You have no and idea. And people stop the show all the time to right. point to the crowd and see like, hey, I Go see somebody out guy. there needs a medic. Go help them. And as I recall, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that. I saw him do that. Yeah. But the, there, was, there was a selective edit where they cut that out and they uh. only played him singing and made it seem as if he didn't do that. But there's a, there's a, I, I saw him stop and say, hey, that guy needs a medic. There needs to be a medic over here. Right. So I don't, like, I, and I'm not, I'm not here to fight for or against the person who was at the venue, but the venue is the place that is the, yeah. the where the, where all the stuff lies. But when we're talking about these conspiracy theories, oh, buddy. they, they catch on to anything, man. It's so crazy that the tiniest things, or the things that you would think that would not be ex like the target of their of their conspiracy automatically get roped in. I'm always surprised. It's week after week. I'm surprised that they went after this particular thing. Right. Yeah. You know. I. I it just. But again, it's one of those things that flips their switch, and they've got to talk. They're like, no, this is satanic. It's almost like it's almost like that woman in the Water Boy who's like. Foosball is the devil, and then everything else is the devil too. <laughs> yes, it's like yes. Genuinely, yeah. it feels like she's on TikTok, and she's like, "That's the devil." No, this is the devil. It's like the monster no, energy drink devil. lady. No, this is it's exactly it's it's no matter what it is, it's the devil, and right. it's so weird to me that that has such a great amount of power when the world is leaning towards less and less and less people being religious. I mean, nuns, n o n e s, is the largest growing segment of belief in uh, in the United States and in the world nuns is the one that's that's taking off the people who don't have a belief who don't have a religious structure but this satanic stuff still has such a pull over everyone and it gets so many people on board yeah man and the this article this article talks a lot about how you know digital natives young people are not immune from and i think that there not was there was some extraordinarily misplaced optimism that yeah. the science and the research has not at all borne out that digital natives, because they were born into a world that where, where they always had access. Unlike you and I, like you and I came of age in a world that didn't, that we did not have digital access. So we came of age, Cecil and I both in a world before uh, the internet was ubiquitous in the way that it is now before the internet was something you carried in your pocket and consulted 14 times a day. Yeah. The, the idea, I think, was initially that digital natives will have a greater ability to engage digital content in skeptical ways. And the evidence has not shown that. The evidence, in fact, has shown exactly the opposite. Digital natives are, in general, less able to parse out truth yeah. from, from fiction. Yeah. We, are, we are more prone to conspiratorial thinking. We are more prone to 
accepting beliefs based on memes and fucking bullet point yeah, right. headline bullshit rather than like associate. And, and some of this stuff from this article, one thing that it's like, I just, I keep glomming onto it. One of the claims was that Travis Scott and Drake were born 66 months and six days apart. Six, 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 right? Is that numerology game stuff? Sure. But also like, that's just inaccurate. And it's all not it, true. All it would take would be Literally, it's the most accessible kind of information. So in other words, that information requires no analysis and yeah. is easily and casually available. It requires a date to a date, like a year to day calendar right. or a year to day calculator. And it requires two pieces of information off the internet. Something that you could easily fact check on your own without any kind of degree. In under a minute. It would take under, under one minute, minute Absolutely. To, to check this. And that kind of bullshit though, trends. Yes. Even though it is the most checkable information, right? And so information that is more complex than what is essentially the simplest possible information that requires a little bit more analysis that maybe, you know, um, requires you to even challenge a preconceived idea or belief. How much less likely are we to do that work? We are infinitely less likely to do that work if Stuff like yeah. two plus two equals five trends. I, I would, I would argue you're incapable of doing that work. Yes. It's not that you won't do that work; it's that you're incapable of it. If you can't even do the simplest amount, because there've been so many times that a meme has come across my feed that I've said, "Is that true? Right. Is that a true thing?" And then I'll look it up to whether or not it is. But there's this, there's this feeling that if somebody said it or if somebody did it, then it's true. And there's so many times that I catch myself and be like, well, yeah, but that's that we're presuming that that person is telling the truth or you're presuming that this meme is the truth. We've got to, you've got to start from zero every single time. Yep. You can't, there's, you can't just, you can't shortcut this. You can't shortcut it and just presume that the source is right or whatever. You've got to start from zero all the time and nobody's willing to do that work or they're incapable of it. I want your big Book. deep inside of me. So we, we read there this week for Cogdis Book Club, which we're slowly closing in on the end of this book. Uh, we are uh, we read chapter fifteen, Newton's sleep, and this chapter really does talk a lot about. I mean, I feel like it's talking a lot about non-overlapping magisteria. It's talking about how you can be a believer, and also it, 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 he points out how you could be a believer and still clearly believe in all of these other scientific things. And right. there are many types of belief systems out there that would believe in and do believe in these scientific discoveries that have happened, like the Big Bang and other other uh, evolution, like the Catholic Church believes in both of those things. And then he, he has a, he, he says that there's a conversation that happens with the Dalai Lama, where the, the, it approaches the Dalai Lama and says, what if something major got discovered and it went against the beliefs of Buddhism, what would happen? And the Dalai Lama said, well, then we would change the beliefs of Buddhism if some right. major scientific discovery happened. And he said, even if it's as, as close a tenant as reincarnation, the, the, Buddha, the, the Dalai Lama looks at him, kind of winks and says, you'd have, you'd have to have some pretty, pretty big information to, 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 to fight against reincarnation or whatever, to show reincarnation was false. But in any case, that you know, the, he's saying that people who believe shouldn't feel repulsed by science. I think that's the main idea of this whole chapter. Yeah, and, and 
I know that there are always critics of the idea of non-overlapping magisteria. And I will say that in, in terms of like a thought experiment about whether or not this is a good and, and, and sort of like intellectually justifiable way to view the world, I agree with those critics, right? I don't think that there's like a real value in creating two buckets and saying some questions live in this bucket and you other questions live this. in this bucket. You can't right? touch this, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I also am in many ways a pragmatist first. And I feel like from a practical perspective, if we could just take the first step, and yeah. if the first step was, can an idea be understood using the tools of science? If so, then that idea should live in this bucket over here. And if it's yeah. like reincarnation and it doesn't, it doesn't upset me if you put it in this bucket. There's a hundred reasons why it is actually a scientific claim because it posits. I understand all that. I don't need that email. But I think that there are practical reasons to say, man, if we got like 90% of this right 90% of the time, we'd be a lot better off and we yeah. would have a lot less steep of a hill to climb. There's some hills you just don't need to die on. Right. There's yes. just some Thank hills- you that you don't need to die on, that you can just be like, yeah, great. And that's how I feel about a lot of religion is I don't need to die on this hill. I fought on that hill when I was coming out of religion. Yes, I fought like same. crazy on that hill. I was like, no, man, fuck that. No, 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 no. And I had those conversations for years. But then I realized that if somebody gets comfort out of something, and, they, and they're not trying to change other people's views in that way, and they're not trying to legislate based on these views, then I'm just like, man, you're not trying to change anybody's life, and you 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 plant your ass in a in a church twice a year, and you're a good person. What what is it that I what is it that I should be fighting you on? Because I have much more in common with a liberal Christian than I ever would with a conservative atheist. A hundred percent, way more in common with a liberal Christian. And I know there's some atheists out there that that's distasteful for. And we lost those people as listeners years ago. We lost those people as listeners because to them, the most important thing in the world is whether or not there's a God or not. But that's the easiest question in the world to ask yourself an answer. It's the easiest question. And I don't need to go on and, and fight somebody down in the mud about this question if I can just pass it up and we can get to the important meat about what it means to be a person, what it means to be a moral person, and not imposing your weird religious views on somebody. If we can get past all that other stuff, I don't care what you believe. Yeah, I, I, I thought about this chapter and I thought about a couple of things that I believe in which I which which seem like they are in conflict but they're not and I want to reconcile them. So I do believe in truth as a intellectual and moral value. I believe in in truth and coming to truth and trying to know and believe only true things as a moral and uh, ideological value. But I also believe in truth as an order of operations problem. And what I mean by that is that there are so many things to try to evaluate truth and uh, on. And the order that we approach those things matters. We need to approach truth as an order of operations problem. We need to get the big questions right first. And the big questions are questions that have to do with ensuring that people live good lives with value and dignity and opportunity. And the truths that we should approach first 
should solve those problems first. Right, sure. And then we move on to what I think of as the luxury problems. The luxury problems are the problems that many of us have, that I that I will say that I had when I was a young person seeking to understand the world. I had luxury problems because I had time and privilege on my side. And so I was able to spend my time and my energy evaluating questions which did not have to do first and foremost with people's rights and their dignity and their opportunities. We got to approach truth as a value, both moral and intellectual, but also as an order of operations problem. And I think you can do and acknowledge all of those things, and they are not in contradiction with one another. And I think this chapter speaks to that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I feel like, I feel like, again, Carl is doing a very good job of trying to, and he's been very careful, I think, throughout this whole book, of trying to make sure that nobody is turned off and that he's not preaching to the choir and that you could hand this book to your religious uncle and they can maybe read it and get something out of it. Right. And even if that doesn't like convert them into some sort of agnostic or something, it still might have some sort of positive effect and make them change the way that they think and make them approach the world in a more scientific way and make them more interested in finding the truth. And I think that that's what Carl's trying to do in this whole book throughout. And he's never been He's never been the guy who's preaching to the choir or being offensive or being, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, it's, no. it's, it's definitely a model of a book to, to, to read and to have on your shelf that you can easily hand to somebody else to try to convince them of this, this, this way in which to approach the world. You know, I could, I could have a hundred copies of religion poisons everything on my shelf and I can agree with almost every single thing in there and I wouldn't hand it to anyone who didn't already agree with it. Yeah. Yeah. But I would definitely hand this book off yes. to someone who is not a, a critical thinker and yep. to somebody who doesn't always believe in science as a way to say, the, the tough part would be getting them through those first seven chapters on aliens, I know. which again is really, really tight. You've got to, I think for those chapters, you've got to really sort of realize that this is, that all bullshit is connected and it's easy to yes. use these things as a way to um, to debunk other parts of the pseudoscientific world but if you're not involved in it, it's tough to do that. And I think that those those seven chapters are really difficult. But man, I'd almost just tear those seven chapters out of the I book. I would too. Hand them, you know, hand them the book and be yep. like, here you go. We start here. Dude, I literally start told my barber my garage that. Yep. And work your way through. I mean, it's there's been so much great stuff so far. I literally told my barber to do exactly that. I told him, start, read this book, but ignore the first seven chapters. Start with this chapter. And he is. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, I know it's it's an excellent book, and people should buy it. Find it on uh, on Amazon. You can find it on uh, Barnes and Noble, and you can find it on Audible. They they read on Audible, and, and Tom's reading it for patrons too. So if you're a patron, you can get each chapter each week. He reads it, and we we publish it on like Monday or Tuesday. Tom reads it aloud, um, and then and then we publish it. So check it out. Definitely, definitely pick up a copy of this book though, because it's so worthwhile. So we're going to be reading chapter sixteen next week, and uh, we hope you join us for that. So we're not going to do email this week. Well, we decided uh, since we're, we're Tom and I are not in recording in the same space, we normally take about a half an hour to go through our email together. We talk about the things that we saw. Um, and so we're not going to be covering email this week. We will be covering your questions and, uh, and, and your comments next week. And we'll also be covering the patrons. We did not get a chance to do that because, again, the, the, the recording schedule this week was, was a little <laughs> off. 
So next week on Wednesday, uh, we're going to try to do a live stream. Hopefully things have, uh, have changed and Tom is able to join us for a live stream. We're not able, we're not going to cancel. Everything's going to be good. We're, everybody's got their good hopes and good <laughs> vibes pointed to make sure that that happens. So we're hoping that we can do a live stream. We'll be on Wednesday this week, not on Thursday. Uh, we're recording one day early this week. Uh, our, our recording. And so we're going to be uh, recording our live stream 9 p.m. Central. So uh, check social medias beforehand. Uh, we will let you know whether or not it's happening on the social medias, Twitter and Facebook, best place to look. And while you're there, like and whatever follow or whatever it is, you know, you can always do that. And while you're thinking about it too, while I'm talking to just go to our website, click on our YouTube page and subscribe there you know, subscribe there or subscribe on Twitch so that you get a notification on when we come on because then you don't even have to check those things. You could just be hanging out, doing something, watching the game or whatever or watching TV and then you'll get a notification that says, hey, Cognitive Distance just went live and then you can come hang out with us while we're live. So it's a great way to follow us is to just go to those places where we broadcast. And the live streams are a lot of fun. They've got a different vibe, a different energy. Ian joins us for the live streams um, and so he he tends to be a, a a part of those programs. They're they're a hoot. I enjoy doing them. They're great. Yeah, they're a yeah. blast. They're a blast. They're fun. We talk to chat. We'll normally sometimes we'll drink something. Ian gets involved. We always blame Ian for everything. It's a lot of fun. So come come hang out with us. It's only because it's his fault. Always his fault. So that's gonna wrap it up for this week. We're gonna leave you like we always do with the Skeptics Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter mommy issue hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy healing, water downward spiral, brain dead pan sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information, and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.